Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Did you know that my very first step into the public sector niche began in 2013 when I studied the role of social media in the Irish police force for my master's in digital marketing with a background in broadcast and investigative journalism, court and tribunal reporting and a deep respect for the work of law enforcement. It has led me on a journey to now specialising in public sector digital communications. Coming up in the show, how law enforcement agencies use social media, the research tactics for crime investigation online, and I interview Detective Superintendent Michael Gubbins, Chief of Ireland's Criminal Assets Bureau, a specialist agency that is responsible for seizing the proceeds of crime. We find out why public support is vital in their role to deny and deprive. I've had a long interest in how law enforcement agencies use social media and that interest goes back to 2013 when I did my master's in digital marketing on the role of social media in Angarda Shihana and that happened to be the very first academic study of its kind and six months later I turned all of my research into a book and so law enforcement and the social web was born. Now this book has gone around the world, it's in police libraries, it's in universities and the FBI also have five copies and you see social media is a really important tool. Law enforcement agencies right across the world have teams of investigators actually trawling social media. And why do they do it? Well, a number of reasons. For crime investigation is the obvious one, but also for community engagement and public relations. If I think about the Irish perspective, our police force operate on the ethos of policing by consent. Now, most of our officers do not carry guns. Yes, we have specialist units like the armed support unit who are armed, but policing by consent is very much a grassroots and a community-based approach. And it's something that we hold in high regard in Ireland. And when I studied the role of social media in Garda Shihana, and I was able to go into Garda HQ in Phoenix Park and speak to the team within it, they told me that they realised very quickly that Twitter, and that was their first foray into the world of social media, was a really useful operational tool. So keeping the public and the media up to date with what was happening in terms of road closures, missing persons, and also crime prevention. And so what they said to me was that they built up and deliberately and with a real intention built up their social media following in order to then reach out to the public when they needed their help. In fact, at Garda, traffic is one of the most followed Twitter accounts in Ireland, even uh, more followers than many brands or businesses. Then the whole aspect of public relations and corporate reputation and what that allows police officers to do is to bring their work closer to the people. 
Social media, as we know, was all about two-way engagement. And many police forces across the world use social media for live press conferences and also for monthly shows such as Ask Your Chief. I was actually only watching one of those episodes from a US-based police force yesterday. And so social media plays a huge role right now, not just from a communications perspective, but definitely in the whole area of crime prevention, crime investigation, but more than that, I would argue, in really connecting their work to the public and building that trust and transparency. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So one of the main reasons that law enforcement agencies use social media is for crime investigation. And in today's consulting column, I'm going to share with you 15 social media investigation tactics that police forces are currently using, or if they're not, could be using. So the information that we share on social media is largely publicly available and many individuals don't actually shut down their privacy settings and have them quite open. So in that regard, when we're sharing on social media, we have to consider that it is in the public domain. So one of the tactics that law enforcement agencies might use is to try and track down the IP address of individuals. So tracking that back to a device uh, that they're using to access the internet. Obviously, the social networks are vast and broad, whether it's TikTok, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. Every action that we take online leaves a reaction and it's almost impossible to have no trace of your activity. So law enforcement agencies are very good at scouting social media and they are, many law enforcement agencies create fake profiles in order to be there as anonymous investigators. Thirdly, who we are connected to on social media makes for very interesting reading for law enforcement agencies because we could be guilty by association or in fact, by, by accident, our friends could call us out. Now, I don't know why I'm saying us in this regard and putting myself into the wheel of criminals, but you know what I mean. Uh, then we have private conversations. So we know that messaging exploded during the pandemic, increasing by over 200% WhatsApp Messenger. And while those private conversations are encrypted, if a device is confiscated by a law enforcement agency of a potential a criminal, then their data can be downloaded. So private conversations may not be so private. Then, of course, we have the smartphone. I often say that the smartphone is the most personal item that we own as human beings. You would probably let people rummage through the drawers in your house, but you wouldn't want to let somebody rummage through the content on your smartphone. So our smartphone holds loads of data, Potentially, if we have our location settings turned on, they will know where we've been, who we've been with, have we checked in, and again, what we're researching online. 
also apart from smartphones, you have desktop computers, you've got iPads, and all of these devices that are storing data become interesting for law enforcement agencies. I mentioned location and smartphones and social networks knowing where we are. That's called geotagging technology and that is inbuilt into our devices. So let's say for example that you're an avid walker or an avid runner and you're using, you know, uh, my fitness pal or one of those similar apps like Strava for example, you know, that is tracking your location. If we're using Google Maps and it's connected to our car or smart car, then again all of that can be tracked. Another really interesting point, and this is less about the technology and more about our habits, is our interests. So who are we following on social media? What are we saying on social media? And what conversations are we getting involved in? And, you know, very often human beings forget that in the world of social media, you are talking to a global audience, even if you are in your own mind talking to your 20 Twitter followers, there's a whole larger audience that can actually see what you're saying. And again, that digital footprint remains from Twitter and then potentially into Google. Who are we conversing with and what's the nature of those conversations? So again, law enforcement agencies would be really interested in who are uh, who are having conversations and what they are having about having conversations about. Similarly, what topics are you following? What is the main attention that uh, topics are giving to individuals? And then are you part of groups? So Facebook groups, for example, potentially maybe even business groups on LinkedIn. And what sort of networks are you associating with? And we know that cybercrime is growing and very often you will have cyber criminals infiltrating groups and infiltrating uh, people's accounts and even befriending people on Instagram and Facebook and purporting to be somebody else. They can also look at the relationship status that we have with other individuals. So again, on LinkedIn, where we work, who our work colleagues are, if it's on Facebook, who we are friends with, if it's on Twitter, who we are following. So again, that relationship status is also very useful information. Images can also be geotagged and they can also hold other important data and potentially linking an image that was uploaded to the internet or a social network from an individual device. So there's data held behind those images. Videos, and we know that the proliferation of video content across the social web is really, really current and growing exponentially. And some criminals give themselves away by virtue of taking videos or being featured in videos that are taken by other people. And then finally, hashtags. If you use hashtags in your content, and a lot of us do, they can also link people back to particular conversations or to particular social networks. So as you can see, there are so many tactics within the social media investigation toolkit that law enforcement officers can really benefit from. So the social media watch, watch outs that those investigators would be looking at range from their relationships, their friends, their networks, 
how they are treating others, the conversations, their language, how they are uh, appearing online and what content they are sharing. And also who are they tagging, who is in their network. So social media for crime investigation being used by law enforcement is definitely something that is happening every day within those agencies, even if you as a member of the public or again as a public sector professional might not be aware of it. The Social Media Bootcamp series is now live. We are engaged in all of the five masterclasses, but you can also watch them on demand. So we're going through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok and helping you through your 2022 social media strategy. So, so far we have students from Ireland, the UK, mainland Europe, the United States and Australia, and they can watch those on-demand sessions in their own time, because of course they're in a different time zone from me here in Ireland. Also with each workshop, we deep dive into the specific tactics that are working right now on the social networks. You also get a mini social media plan for each of the social networks. And some of our students are deciding which masterclasses are relevant to them. So they're taking, for example, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Also, what I've seen happening is that some organisations are sending multiple staff members and also, again, choosing which bootcamp masterclasses they want to attend. The masterclasses are only 150 euro. There are discounts for multiple team members. And also, if you decide to take all five masterclasses, you get one free. So if you've got any questions, you can drop me an email to info at publicsectormarketingpros.com. But if you're interested in finding out more, head over to our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Detective Superintendent Michael Gubbins, who is Chief at Ireland's Criminal Assets Bureau. Michael has been a member of Angarda Síochána for 30 years and has been engaged in the area of computer forensics and cybercrime investigation since 1997, when he was first assigned to the Computer Crime Investigation Unit. He worked there as a Detective Garda, a Detective Sergeant and a Detective Inspector. In this interview, we talk about the role of the Criminal Assets Bureau in law enforcement in Ireland and the special legislation that they operate under. And we speak at length about the role of social media in their work. Michael, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Uh, thank you, Joanne. So listen, for our listeners and our viewers of this podcast, um, tell us a little bit about the Criminal Assets Bureau and the work that you do in Ireland and how you came into being. So Joanne, the Criminal Assets Bureau, uh, it's established over 25 years ago on the 15th of October, 1996. So we just had our recently our 25th anniversary, uh, which we marked with a press briefing uh, from Garda headquarters, where it was accompanied by uh, the Commissioner of Garda Shikana, uh, Mr. Harris, uh, and the Minister for Justice. 
Um, so the whole purpose and objective of the Criminal Assets Bureau is to deny and deprive criminals of their criminally acquired wealth. The Bureau was established, as I said, in 1996. If, you, if I bring you back to then, you must remember that there was criminal, criminals at the time who were you know, displaying their wealth, whether it was cars, jewellery, holidays, lifestyle, the likes of the general, uh, Martin Cahill on the go at the time, and other individuals who were basically flaunting their wealth and putting their two fingers up to society and, uh, and the ordinary citizens of Ireland about how much money they were making from their criminal deeds. And, you know, the world has changed in the past 25 years and obviously criminality has changed also and criminality has moved online as the world has evolved. But do you find now that- the yeah, cr crim Criminality has changed. Sorry, um, the criminality has changed, but I suppose the one common theme that has kept uh, over the last 25 years is criminals, they make money from their crime so it's criminally acquired wealth and they spend it they flaunt it they display it so it is doing up their houses it's buying land it's doing extensions it's the lifestyle going on multiple holidays you know living beyond their legitimate means and it's all about displaying their wealth and so in that act of displaying their wealth commonly they'll be displaying that wealth online does that give you new avenues for investigation it's quite interesting actually because we get what are called good citizens reports which is members of the public who will inform us about an individual's criminality and their background and what they're at and often they will send us it could be an email it could be a handwritten letter or it could be a typed up there's quite an extensive file but from that, they will actually have captured images uh, from our, our, tar our potential targets as uh, social media feeds. And it could be at a birthday party, could be at a jewellery, could be displaying their watches, their clothes, uh, you know, and their holidays. So it, it, it does provide uh, a stream of information uh, to the public, which in turn can be provided to ourselves. So are we... Obviously, criminals are very much well aware of the internet and how social media works. Do you ever wonder if they think before they post and how they might be visible to uh, agencies such as yourselves? Um, I, I suppose the manner in which they do display it exemplifies maybe the brazenness and, and the continued flaunting of their wealth. And again, the continued to use that expression, putting their two fingers up. They don't care, right? So that's their weakness. Um, and then we can use that to identify their assets and why they might be of interest, but it also draws their community's attention. And that's where the good citizens reports come in and they will inform us. So good citizens make anonymous reports to us, to the Criminal Assets Bureau. Uh, there's a number of ways they can do that. They can, as I said, they can write into us, they can email us or they can phone us. We also obviously have social media platforms that they can contact us on. But the beauty of making uh, a good citizen report to us, it's anonymous, right? So Joanne Sweeney could write in here, you don't need to give your details and we won't be in contact with you. You don't need to make a statement. You don't need to be a witness. 
we take whatever information that you've given us. We have an intelligence and assessment office who look at all that information because I suppose we have a duty of care to individuals because Joanne mightn't get on with Michael and might make a complaint. So we're, we're well aware of that. So everything has to be validated and verified and built upon. But it can be an indicator of where we should start looking. And we take it as that and we build on it from there. And it's really important for us to keep that uh, those streams of information coming to the criminal justice bureau. It does help with the work that we do. And let's talk about the skill set within the CAB office. Like you're uh, in your previous life, a detective chief superintendent in Angarda Shiokana. So your policing skills and investigative skills are, are vital. What other type of skill set do you have within your office? Well, I suppose just from my own background, I would have grown up as a detective through uh, the Computer Crime Investigation Unit in the Garda National Cyber Crime Bureau. So I would have been aware of the intelligence and the information and the evidence that's available through these channels and how it can assist um, cr uh, criminal investigations uh, and other bureaus and sections within the guards. So likewise, the Criminal Assets Bureau, we're aware of that. And the people here within the Criminal Assets Bureau, we obviously do our, uh, we refer to it as our Proceeds of Crime course with UL, Pokey. I think you're, you're familiar with that. So people are educated on, um, I suppose, open source intelligence, where they can look, what they can do. There's also a number of people here, including myself, we've completed the Masters in Forensic Computing and Cybercrime Investigation in UCD. But I think just the, where we are in life at the minute, um, uh, people are used to, we, we all have a phone in our hands, right? So we've got all the apps. So we're used to what's on it. We're, we're familiar with it. We mightn't be, well, I'm definitely not a digital native, but we become used to it at this stage. And we're aware of, as users, what's there. So the next step as law enforcement, well, what evidence is there? You know, uh, maybe more so for criminal matters. But if Joanne puts something up, I can look at your vlog, I can look at your web page, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your Facebook, and get information there that might assist me uh, with my inquiries. Now, a lot of your work, it has to be said, might be done under the radar. But in the same token, it's important that you're raising your profile among the citizens because those good citizen reports are vital to your work. So do you actively promote your work on social media? Um, just, just to go back to the first part of your question there is that, so there's approximately, there's 99 people in the Criminal Assets Bureau. Uh, they come from the Department of Justice, Garda Shikana, Revenue, Customs and Taxes, and Social Protection. So um, about half of those people are protected by anonymity and it's built, it's within the legislation. So they can't be identified. So that's why you will see me uh, pictured with somebody. But there, there are other people in the background who do an awful lot of work. As I said, they're nameless and faceless, but they're the people that, that do the work and it's my responsibility to represent them. Then as the Bureau, we have a responsibility to tell the public and the citizens uh, what we do. And so there's a couple of mechanisms that we use there. Uh, one is we have a, a Twitter account. So on the day of a search or a day of action, we will uh, prepare a press press brief and a press release. And we work with the Garda Press Office. And we will supply a um, written account. You know, say, let's pretend we the search is 
uh, this morning, the Criminal Assets Bureau, with the assistance of, and will nominate or identify all the units that have helped us, carried out a search in this part of the country, uh, on foot of which we searched X number of houses, premises, and we seized whatever, and froze whatever bank accounts. But along with that narrative, we also provide details. We provide pictures. So it could be watches, clothes, handbags, jewellery. It could be money that we found hidden. So it creates an, an interest. And on occasion, we might even use uh, the customs uh, cash dog, a picture of that or something unusual. It grabs the attention uh, of the public. But tied into that, and you, you can appreciate on Twitter, we're not going to get all our message out. So we also have a Facebook account and we link our Twitter to our Facebook and we have a, the longer narrative is there. And as I said, the Garda Press Office then will issue a press release on our behalf. And the Garda Press Office, it does this, so the whole lot works together. Uh, and then for following from that, there will be media inquiries. So we want to tell the public the work that we have done. Uh, you're right, we have to operate uh, in, in anonymous circumstances, but there's an obligation on us to tell the public and the citizens this is what we've done in your area but it has so that's one aspect of, of, of use of social media the other aspect is from that then people are aware of what we've done and what follows on from that oftentimes is our good citizens reports increases so maybe the following week or 10 days somebody will write in i saw something on twitter i heard uh, your representative on uh, the radio or the television or read an article and that prompts them then to come to us because there's somebody in their community they know is a criminal they know what they're engaged in and they can see the lifestyle that they're leading and that it isn't based on legitimate uh, sources so it's quite positive um, we've even had cases where we've put uh, images up of items that we've seized and that has actually helped identify stolen equipment so we've been able to reunite that. It wasn't the intended, but it was one of the consequences. So again, a positive action that has come from that. Somebody saw it and they were actually, that person, that equipment wasn't stolen in Ireland. It was stolen elsewhere. And that person got sight of it. and was able to identify it as them and we were able to return it to them. Likewise, we get information uh, that comes in on the foot of those and we analyze it. And then we work with our local guard stations and on occasion, they are then able to do something with that and we've been able to recover monies, which leads then to uh, money laundering investigations locally. So it's not just we assess the information, is it of use to us? And maybe this is something that we can um, help with the local Garda station uh, and work with them in relation to that matter. So cybercrime is on the increase and it has to be said, it's quite sophisticated at, at the very high levels of criminality. Is there a role for, for CAB in combating cybercrime, averting it, or in investigating it on the back of looking at people's, you know, the proceeds of crime? So uh, the Criminal Justice Bureau looks at all crime types. Uh, the primary reason or rationale uh, that the Criminal Justice Bureau was set up was to target those that was engaged in drug trafficking and organised crime. And that still holds true. But you're right, there's a whole new... Uh, crime entity based around either cyber dependent or cyber enabled crime and there's a lot of money in that uh, field some of those people are resident here in Ireland some are abroad some of them might have assets here and we've had cases where the criminal assets bureau have been able to uh, get funds back and actually uh, through the process repatriate them to injured parties 
particularly around uh, the theft of cryptocurrency and that. So again, cryptocurrency is something that we're seeing uh, uh, criminals using. It's probably not as much as people would imagine, but it is there. Our training does uh, allow us to identify it, and we are aware that it's there. And on occasion, we do find it, we seize it, we help others, you know, internationally to explain our experience with it, how we capture it. But again, how do you um, dispose of it and realize it for, for the state? And we're only too willing to share that with, with similar agencies uh, globally. And it's not infrequently that we get a call to say, listen, can you help us with this? Uh, or can you give us any advice in relation? We're thinking of setting up a criminal assets bureau or an asset seizing agency like yourselves. And people will contact us. And I, when I say globally, I mean literally globally, uh, whether it's Australia, Canada, Jamaica, wherever, people will come and talk to us. Because they see us as, as a good model, uh, as the standard that, that they want to reach. And that work is promoted. We, we, we produce our annual report every year and we present it to the, um, the Minister for Justice. In turn, we will promote that on our um, social media pages. In turn, there, there's a press release on that and the mainstream media, then the print media, television, radio, we pick up on that. Again, it's about pushing uh, the good work that we do. I suppose for a long time, law enforcement, they did do good work, but we were kind of shy about explaining the work that we've done. But we've come to realize the importance of telling our good news story, promoting what we do, uh, the work of the men and women here. We obviously can't tell everybody everything, but on the day of a search, this is what we're doing, we're in your area. And often we'll get a, um, an acknowledgement on the either Twitter or Facebook. Somebody said, listen, well done. Thank you. People have sent in cards. You know, again, a lot, most of these are anonymous, so we can't attribute them to anyone. But it's, it's interesting that people do appreciate being informed about the work that we do. And I suppose when you reflect now and again, it is nice that you're getting the message uh, locally. And, you know, it's the local radio, the local papers are as important in sharing that message. And you're familiar at this stage, every, whether it's television, radio, uh, print media, they in turn will have a social media presence, which, you know, it's a bit like a snowball. So they're telling more people as well. So it's brilliant. Uh, it's brilliant, but it's also important to get our good news out because people, rather than going on an annual report and don't have anything again until the next annual report. So we like to tell people what we've done throughout the year. Sometimes it takes a, li a little bit of time for those cases to come to court. And then if we have, maybe we're sharing uh, education or training with people, we promote that on our Twitter feed as well. Just to let people know that it's not completely denying the problem, but we're looking at a bigger uh, bigger picture of how we promote the work that we do and working with other agencies uh, globally and nationally. And RTE um, recently had a drama um, I can't remember the name of it. You may help me out here, but when I was uh, doing some uh, training with your own colleagues, I was like, you know, does this drama really reflect the work that you do? But even that kind of helps bring your work into the mainstream consciousness of the public. Do you remember the name of that drama? Because it's gone. Hidden, hidden assets. That's it. Hidden yeah. Assets. So does it? Let, let me ask the question for the listeners. Does it kind of reflect the work that you do? I suppose, insofar as the whole purpose of what the Criminal Assets Bureau and Hidden Assets did was to deny and deprive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd have an agent or a member of the Criminal Justice Bureau uh, in Belgium for as long uh, as that Detective Sergeant Barry was. But um, yeah, we do liaise and we work internationally all about denying and depriving. Our inquiries will bring us somewhere. We follow the money, we follow the asset, see where does it go, why is it there, um, you know, to build our case. Uh, our cases are based on civil civil litigation. So uh, our cases are initiated in the High Court. So we have to follow the, uh, the money and present our case uh, to the High Court. And what's the role of the social networks? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you needed to appeal to the social networks or indeed go to court to request the social networks to release information um, that you deemed would be of interest to a case or an investigation that you were part of? Um, In previous roles, I would have advised and been involved in requesting uh, information uh, from social networks. And and, and sometimes on occasion, that would also involve the use of the mutual assistance requests because not all the data is contained here in Ireland. So you have to go through the mutual assistance process, which can actually take a period of time. There is a process, and you can imagine by using the word process, it just has to go through certain formalities. And and it can take a period of time to even, you know, go up the channels and get across to the other country and get the information back. But there there are appropriate channels to do it, and and they are used more and more by law enforcement. And it's not just specialised units, but it's every uh, area or sector within the the guards and law enforcement generally now. And you mentioned that your work is very collaborative and, you know, helping uh, other countries establish their own assets bureau and the sharing of information and intelligence and indeed following the money across international borders. But is there anything that um, other countries or agencies are doing around the world that potentially Ireland can learn from? Are there any new innovations or investigation methods that you'd like to introduce into your work? Um, You're breaking up a little bit there, but I think I got the gist of the question is, so the Criminal Assets Bureau, we use Twitter, Facebook, and we have our webpage. That's how we promote our actions. And we also leverage the Garda press office and their social media content. I know some other agencies that might use Instagram, they might use TikTok, uh, and other services. We haven't done that. Um, I mean, we, we have our Twitter and our Facebook, they're, they're fully verified accounts. I think it's important for the members of the public to know that the account they're dealing with is it's authentic and honest, and that we are who we say we are, and that nobody else can take our identity. Uh, simple measures like that, I think, are important. I think more communication channels will become available to law enforcement to use going forward um, to, to explain what they're doing, but also um, whether it's, you know, uh, there's a missing person, a missing child, looking for the, asset, the assistance of people. But we're also conscious and aware that if we do a simple press release, that in turn is going to be fed in to the media, social media channels. It'll be commented upon in others. So we get we get quite a reach, and I suppose law enforcement would be very conscious of uh, how press releases would be formulated and what we say, and quite rightly so, we have to be careful of what what, what we say and how we say it. Um, 
these are live investigations often that we're involved with and it, it's important to to be aware uh, of what you say and somebody like yourself would be very familiar you know the, the importance of what you say and how you say it but having said that we do realize the importance social media and your mainstream regular media to getting the message whether it's this is the good work that we've done or we require the public's assistance or getting another message out there um, it, it is an important part uh, of that so let's encourage uh, the people that are watching and listening back uh, to this episode to follow the Criminal Assets Bureau on Twitter and also to like their page on Facebook and your hashtag um, is deny and deprive and the whole ethos of your work so I'm sure Michael you'd uh, concur with me go go and follow those accounts and if you can be a good citizen and provide a good report then don't be afraid to do so yes absolutely uh, and we can't forget email probably one of the you know one of the earlier versions of a form of social media info at cab.ie or 01 666 or the criminal assets bureau hacker square uh hacker street dublin 2 and honestly we, we still get handwritten uh communications to us here we'll take any information uh, in in any of those formats but again just to let people know it's completely anonymous and anything that we get we verify and validate it and build on it so there's no rushed actions uh coming from any of that but it, it's definitely an interesting place from when i joined the guards uh 30 nearly 33 years ago to the use of social media and the proactive use of it has become very professional and quite slick but it there's a learning curve in it all the time and we look forward to learning some more and continue to use social media to promote the work of the criminal assets bureau well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and uh, find out more about your work and the great work that you're doing. And uh, yeah, continued success to you and your uh, 90, 100 strong team. All right. Thank you, Joanne. The Public Sector Marketing Show. Courses, coaching and consulting in digital marketing designed for government and public sector. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. I need to tell you that we've been broadcasting this show for an entire year. Yes, it is the first birthday of the Public Sector Marketing Show. So thank you so much to all of you that have tuned in, whether you've watched, listened, and also to those of you who have subscribed, rated, and reviewed. I really appreciate all the feedback that I get from the show. And remember, if you want to be a guest, just drop me a note uh, via the website or DM me on any social network. Now, the freebies that I have for you this week are our upcoming webinars. So the next one is a digital PR strategy for public sector. And of course, when you register, if you can't make it live, you can watch it on demand. And then following that webinar, we are going into content marketing, as you know, one of my favorite topics, and how to create a content marketing strategy in 30 minutes. And yes, indeed, you can scope out a 12-month content plan in just a half an hour. So if either of those uh, are in, of interest to you, make sure that you go ahead over to our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com forward slash webinars. As always, I thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you can share the show with a public sector pro that you know. And in doing so, you will help us reach more people. But from me for now, thank you so much for watching, 
or listening and I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. 